what we're experiencing now is unprecedented in my life. Tuesday night, August 29th, 2017. Welcome to another Out the Coop Extra. I'm Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken Press. And in addition to our weekly Out the Coop podcast, we'll be bringing you interviews and special reports as we continue to expand our media empire. That's right. Well, tonight we're bringing you the first ever Out the Coop Extra interview by one of our contributing writers, Seth Goldstein. Um, Seth is also our awesome tech guy that has uh, more freaking energy than you can imagine and keeps Raging Chicken up and running. Um, today, Seth is going to be interviewing Ben Yagoda, a writer and journalism professor at the University of Delaware. Um, ben Yagoda was also uh, Seth's professor when Seth was at the University of Delaware. And Seth talks to Yagoda about his perspective on the Trump presidency and the role of journalism and the journalist during this unprecedented political era. Well, if you like this podcast and all the pull no punches, progressive media we do at Raging Chicken Press, consider becoming a member of Raging Chicken for as little as five bucks a month. Simply go to RagingChickenPress.org and click on the support and membership tab. Click become a member and you're on your way. Not ready to become a member yet? Look, no problem. You can make a one-time donation by clicking Donate. We need you, the progressive community, to help us deepen pull no punches progressive media that will hold power accountable. And right now, as a reminder for all our regular listeners, um, we are running our back-to-school special. So if you become a member of Raging Chicken Press at the $10 a month level, we will send you your choice of either Mark Bray's just-published book, uh, Antifa, the Anti-Fascist Handbook, or our exclusive Raging Chicken Stay Woke coffee mug. And if you join at the 20 buck a month level, hey man, we'll send you both, right? Um, and both levels there, the $10 a month level and the $20 a month level also come with some Raging Chicken swag that we'd love to send out your way to as well. Again, simply go to RagingChickenPress.org and look for the support and membership tab. Click become a member and you'll be supporting homegrown progressive media. And just as a reminder, um, before I let you check out Seth's interview with Ben Yagoda, um, Out the Coop is moving back to Friday beginning this week. So Sean and I um, will be back on Friday talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. So without further ado, I leave you to Seth Goldstein talking to Ben Yagoda. Talk to you soon, folks. See ya! Welcome to the Raging Chicken Out the Coop Extra. This is Seth Goldstein from Raging Chicken Press, and today I am honored to have the great Ben Yagoda, journalist extraordinaire, a professor of journalism at the University of Delaware, where I went to school. He was one of my professors, and he is a very prolific writer and author about the English language. Um, he's written for The New Leader, The New York Times, Newsweek, and Rolling Stone. He's published a number of books, which include about our town... The New Yorker, and The World It Made, as well as a biography on Will Rogers. Uh, one of my favorites is How Not to Write Bad, The Most Common Writing, writing Problems and the Best Ways to Avoid Them. Great book, especially if you're an English-language person who likes to get to the nitty-gritty of things. He also is, he wrote The B-Side, The Death of Tin Pan Alley, and The Rebirth of the Great American Song. <laughs> 
have you been? I've been great. I was in, uh, I think I probably told you when we had lunch, I was in London for England for a month. Yeah, I saw pictures. It looked like you yeah. had a good time. Fantastic. Got back uh, like 10 days ago and, uh, you know, ready to move into various projects. Now, since you're yeah. the consummate journalist and you've written for some of these big publications out there, yeah, you know, you're, I would love your viewpoint on like how the journalists are covering our commander in chief. Right. And, and, uh, I guess to use the Yiddish word, the Mishigas. That's <laughs> very good. Very appropriate. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to find the right word. Words escape me half the time with this guy in his sure. cabinet. So I'm like trying to find words that are articulate to a point. Right. So, right. Exactly. Well, so. I guess the first thing is the first thing is, and I was just teaching uh, this course on the British press and part of the British press was how they covered the American press and the, <laughs> comparisons between uh, excuse me how they covered american politics and comparisons between the british press and american press so we got into a little bit uh, on the american scene and i told these students that you know i don't know when they started being aware of politics or presidents but what we're experiencing now is unprecedented in my life um there's never been anything like it in many different ways so and, and, of course, as you know, uh, one of the issues that people talk about is not to normalize it. That, you know, mm-hmm. not in the sense that this is sort of within the realm of the way things are. It's, it's, very, it's very unusual and very <laughs> kind of not normal um, in a lot of different ways. But in terms of the press, yeah, that, that is certainly one of them. The, um, I have never witnessed, you know, and I've been, I'm, I'm 63 years old, so I've been around for a while. Never witnessed anything remotely resembling the so-called war on the press that Trump uh, used. That's like one of his two or three go-to red meat for his rally, just just uh, kind of stoking them up to a frenzy, horrible mm-hmm. and un-American and lying the press is. And, and I really, as people have said this, I fear that violence will break out because there are you know, these hundreds, a couple of hundred reporters there in a pen and uh, sort of unprotected and vulnerable. And it's really, to me, rather scary. Um, it's terrifying, actually. <laughs> it's terrifying, yeah. It's it's more than scary. You're absolutely right. And, um, you know, it, it, it seems to work for him. I don't know if, to what extent he means it or it's a cynical ploy or what, but it really sort of stokes up this this base. Um, so, so that's one thing. But on the other hand, uh, it's also been pointed out that maybe in part, certainly in part because of this, the press is doing better in its goal of being a watchdog and, and covering those in power than it's been in recent memory. I mean, the press that's has true. Yeah. a lot of economic hits over the past couple of decades, like really serious economic hits and uh, major organizations are struggling. But in terms of the role of, of covering the, well, I'll use a bad word, cover, covering the shit out of this stuff, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's doing great. Places like uh, New York Times and Washington Post, ProPublica, and I just read today that ProPublica was, was attacked, had a computer hacking attack. And, oh, really? 
just yesterday or maybe today, their systems went down. Um, but again, these organizations that I'm talking about, um, New York Times, Washington Post, ProPublica, NPR, are actually even, yeah. doing better financially mm-hmm. than they have. I mean, Trump keeps talking about the failing New York Times, but every time he attacks it, they seem to get more subscribers. <laughs> so, uh, you know, to, to, to quote Dickens' uh, famous remark, for the press, it's the best of times and the worst of times. It really uh, is. It, it's, but it's, you know, number one is that, that it is unprecedented. And I don't mean unprecedented, I mean unprecedented. Exactly. I, I'm sitting here looking at this and being pseudo-journalistic, you know, in my, in my endeavors lately, and I'm just flabbergasted. Um, and I, it's very interesting to see that the outside world, outside the U.S., cover the politics, especially the British press, because like The Guardian, though they're pseudo-U.S. now, I see The Guardian yeah. as looking out in somewhat, and it, I find it very interesting. I also find a lot of the left-wing media, like Jacobin, really stepping up, like the alternative media as well. Not all facts, but all media. Yeah, I, I, I've, I have to confess, I'm, I'm not that up on the alt media, and I, I kind of view it with a little bit of uh, double-edged sword. In that, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a big pro- proponent of, of, of the so-called mainstream media, uh, in terms of at least having some chance to gain credibility from across a wide or relatively wide political spectrum. You know, one of the things that's been happening is this splinter. So those on the right believe their sources, those on the left believe their sources, and each one is in a bubble uh, and not hearing from each other. So, you know, I, I certainly applaud anyone who's going out there and getting the truth, but I it would be nice if... Um, uh, it, it, it's nice and, and it's heartening to the extent that uh, these organizations with, with a broad, broad base to readership and Trump to the contrary, uh, with, with, with some respectability, like the New York Times, like the Washington Post, are, are kind of nailing these stories. You know, that, that to me is a good thing. And in terms of the British, um, you know, it's, The Guardian is a liberal paper. And, and of course, over there, the, uh, the the newspapers and organizations have kind of they've been doing a long time what has happened here recently that is having a political slant and and making no bones about it mm-hmm. um, so the daily mail and the telegraph and the times are are uh, right wing and the daily express uh, the guardian and the mirror are are liberal BBC is and the Financial Times are, are kind of occupying the middle of the road to the extent yeah. there is. But in all the all the press over there, every part of the spectrum, they they cover Trump a lot. And uh, e- even the conservative press over there seems to cover him as, you know, um, <laughs> a sort of scary uh, buffoon. Exactly. Um, so Thing. And, and, you know, I, I get the sense that in Europe as well, mm-hmm. um, that that's the sense they have. And they they kind of looked at us with with a look of sympathy, uh, like, oh, man, sorry that you've... 
and, and they they assume that uh, <laughs> I guess nicely that when they beat an American, it couldn't that person couldn't have supported Trump. Mm. Uh, like Trump supporters don't go to England. Uh, <laughs> but there's there is a lot of uh, disdain over there for what's going on in Washington now. That's for sure. So what's so what's your take on journalists having a slant? Or journalism having yeah. a slant, especially if it's not Fox News who says fair and balanced, and they clearly yeah. aren't. Yeah. What's your take on like you know? I mean, the New York Times is kind of liberal, and they kind of don't. Yeah. You know, Washington, well, the WAPO, the Washington Post is as liberal, is very liberal, and then you got CNN, which is is like on the opposite spectrum of Fox News, which is as liberal as you get. But right. like, what's your take on clear slant versus hidden slant? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a really good question. And the hidden slant, that's sort of a philosophical issue that kind of getting to the point is it possible to be, you know, fair and balanced. Everybody has a point of view. Is, impo- is it possible to check your politics at the door? And, you know, I guess it call me old fashioned, but I, but I sort of think, yes, um, you know, it, studies have shown that reporters in their personal views are liberal, um, but reporters I know, they don't bring that to their coverage. Uh, the editorial page, yes, the New York Times has more liberal columnists and has a liberal editorial point of view. But in their uh, in their in their news coverage, I, I don't I don't think that's the case. I think they do a good job of um, of, of covering it from without a slant. Now, you know, one of the things that's happened is that, um, you know, so, so here's what happens. Trump uh, comes out there and, you know, let's put put it bluntly, he tells lies. Mm-hmm. OK. And the press ha- had to debate whether to use that word, of course. And, and uh, for the most, you know, some, some have decided, you know, it's hard it traditionally hasn't been used in news coverage because to say that someone's lying, you don't have to merely show that he say he or she said something mm-hmm. false or incorrect, but you have to say that they deliberately did that. Mm-hmm. And how do you get into their mind? Well, you know, the New York Times on occasion has looked at certain claims like, um, you know, that there were these illegal people, uh, legal voters for Hillary or, that Obama, you know, wasn't born in America, or that uh, Trump had a bigger turnout in his inauguration. <laughs> he said, uh, A, they were false, and B, they were proven uh, without a doubt false enough so that he has to be aware of it. So they said if he persisted in saying these things, those are lies. Um, so in any case, whether you use the word or not, Trump, uh, uh, states falsehoods, repeatedly states falsehoods, mm-hmm. contradicts himself, says one thing, then goes to something else. Um, uh, has because of the things he said and done, uh, many uh, Republicans, Democrats, people from abroad have make statements that are highly critical of him, and say the New York Times. Uh, reports those things, these falsehoods, these contradictions, um, quotes those people, and then Trump turns around and says, you're against me. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, 
and, and that feeds his red meat. Uh, the media is against me. The media is slanted. Um, now, if the, <laughs> if the Times persists in that, uh, they, he just says, see, they keep doing it. Um, so in a way, he's very, he's very clever and devious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think the Times, which is the organization I'm most familiar with because I, I read it every day, uh, you know, they, they've not taken the bait. They have persisted. They've probably bent over backwards to make sure everything is airtight and use language like lie only when it can really be supported. But they just, you know, go out and report the news and, um, and you know, uh, let, let, the, let the sparks fall where they may. Yeah. And, you know, I think they've done a, a really excellent job. I, I don't, I, and I think that's the case with Washington Post as well. I uh, don't see that as much. I saw today that in the Times that uh, the editor of the Wall Street Journal in, in a sort of somewhat chilling uh, maneuver uh, has criticized his own reporters. Wow. For uh, he claim he is charged and the Times got hold of some internal emails in he supposedly injecting their opinion into the coverage of Trump's you know, actions and rallies, I guess he was saying, you know, just say what he said. Um, but that, of course, is only half the duty of the journalist. You can't just be a stenographer. You have to go ahead and investigate um, the truth. It's and tough, yeah. Around of, what the, of what the person has said. So, yeah, it, it's tough to uh, report on this guy who is highly, highly problematic and, you know, not veer over the line into editorializing. Um, mm. It can be done, but it's, it's tough to do. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I assume that you're a very big proponent of, if you are slanted in some way, being very forthcoming with it. Like that, that the British are. Like, they're very... Yeah, yeah I'm not sure if there's forthcoming. I guess in, 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 over there, or just everybody knows. knows. Yeah. Everybody knows that if you pick up you know, the Daily Telegraph, it's known as the Tory graph, uh-huh. uh, the spin from the conservative side. And yeah, it's interesting. I mean, and we know, so with Fox on the one hand and MSNBC on the other, I, I wouldn't necessarily uh, label them as equivalent. Yeah. Um, but in a broad sense, the one is is conservative and the one's liberal. And, and everybody everybody knows that. Yeah, so exactly. they don't label it, but uh, but it is known. Um, it is known. And, you know, I, I like the old fashioned idea of, of trying to check your policy at the door, because if you don't, you know, of course, you're never going to it's never going to be OK to to, to fabricate something, um, uh, although we've seen that. But it's never. Glass. Okay. Yeah. I remember, I remember vividly our class when I was in journalism school, you know, when I was in, the, in class with you at Delaware and this whole Stephen, Cla- Stephen Glass thing oh, yeah. broke. I remember you got very heated about it and said, don't you ever do this. Okay. And it was about like yeah. a week worth of like, you know, lectures on how not to do this. And, I, I, and that stuck in my mind. It was, you know, Ben yeah. really and- being at home.
so so yeah so so that that's pretty that kind of thing is pretty rare but what's a little more insidious is you know uh reported the news in in a a slanted way so that you will you know leave out something that you know is newsworthy and significant but it doesn't fit in with your side Mm -hmm. you know a, a new york times reporter would never do that, no matter what their political slant would be. And, um, you know, I, I, just to repeat myself, I, I, I kind of like that. I like that approach. Traditional uh, way, absolutely. Yeah, traditional way, even though it is a bit of a fiction of being objective. True yeah. objectivity may not be, you know, possible, but you can get you can get close. You can approximate it. You can do your I, best, if you're, exactly. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Go ahead. When people, just point that when people have these sort of conspiracy theories with the press, they're all left wing, they're all right wing, which is kind of you know good on the press for having people on both sides saying that they're that, that they're the other way. You know, you you I think you and I know that that's not really true. That that a reporter's is all basically all the reporters I know their main motivation is. To advance their own brand and own career and own standing mm-hmm. by finding out scoops and publishing, you know, uh, striking news stories that before everybody else gets it and not not to put forth any political point of view. And that's that's a kind of check and balance uh, as well that, you know, that that institutional valuing of the scoop uh no matter where the chips fall, um, it is, you know, it turns out to be a, a good thing. Ben, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate this. Fantastic. Well, I, had Great. Reach, I had to reach out to you about this because this is, this is, I'm, like you said, I'm president. All right. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken Press. Don't forget, this Friday, Sean and I will be back for our weekly Out to Coop podcast where we get into the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. Until then, folks, thanks for tuning in for this special Out to Coop Extra. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken Press. We will see you on Friday. See ya! See ya!